there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You're listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, a Texas Tech athletics podcast where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. All right, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer, joined by Michael. He's remote. I'm here. There he is. (laughs) He is uh, on the road in damp Florida for work. Yes, beautiful beautiful Orlando here at at a conference, getting some professional development hours, learning some things, eating too much food. Breaking Typical away from conference. probably a networking event to record tonight. <laughs> I, I did. I, I flat out skipped one because <laughs> I'm an engineer. There's only so much socialization I can do. And so after the conference was over today, I just, I came up to my room and was like, I think that's it. I think that's all I've got. That's all I got. All right. Yeah. So In this episode, we're going to do our final wrap on Kansas state. I'm going to, I'm going to give more, much more of my thoughts than I did than I did in the post game. Since I just jumped in for a couple of minutes, was able to go back and watch the game, um, with a little more detail. eye than just as it came up, um, give an injury update, uh, a rules update, Michael, I've got that in there. We have to touch on that. And then a preview for the Kansas, not Kansas State, Oklahoma State Cowboys for this upcoming weekend before we hit the bye week. If you want to keep up with us on Twitter, you can do that following the show at 23 personnel. Nice blend of tweets between Michael and myself. But like I always say, if it was anything good, Michael tweeted that. And if it makes you want to uh, gouge your eyes out, that was me. You can follow me, Spencer, at Punt Suck, if that's more your brand, or Michael at Michael underscore LBK. You can also catch us 10 to noon on Saturday mornings on Rob Bro's College Tailgate Show on Talk 103.9 FM here in Lubbock. It's also streaming on KKM.com and the Talk 103.9 mobile app. Obviously, it's us, and we join Rob and Kyle from the Gambling Gauchos. This episode, gambling the gambling god, I can't do it. I'm I'm always terrible at it. This episode, as you all should know, is brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and hate your favorite team. A rising tide lifts all boats, so go check them out online or on social. Go to sportsdrink.org. Or open Instagram and type in at sports drink. That's spelled like sports drink, but without the vowels. All we ask is that you close the door behind you. We're trying not let the funk out. Michael, let's um, let's relive a little sadness from Saturday. Wrap up Kansas State. Get on to Oklahoma State, and uh, let's talk some football, man. We will do what we must. Escape and that picked off. Back to back turnovers and waters running the other way. Down the sideline. Touchdown. Kick six. 70 yards. Marquise Waters. Play fake. Finds Tharp again and he's in the end zone for his first collegiate touchdown. The deep ball down the middle. It's caught. Touchdown. 
intercepted. Picked off at the 20-yard line. Smith to throw it. Has a man downfield, and Texas Tech finds the end zone. It's McLean Mannix. Brooks to the left side, to the five. Touchdown, Red Raiders. Smith. Find a little time. Throwing to the back of the end zone. Caught. Touchdown. Tied at 38. Three seconds to go. 62-yard try. Garibay has his foot into wow. it. It may be long enough. It is good. It is good. It is good. Jonathan Garibay has won the game with a 62-yard field goal. Oh, my God. Can you believe that? Whoa! Right, Michael. I, um, like I said, wasn't able to watch the game uh, so closely on Saturday, so I went back and finished it up today, actually. Uh, and I've got some thoughts. Good. I, I wanted to hear him because I really meant to go back and rewatch what I could, but traveling and everything, I just was not able to. So dive in. Dive in. Well, give me just one second. I'm trying to clip something for uh, something I want to talk about here in a minute. But all right. Um, I think, I mean, we, we talked about it going into the season as, as, a, as a question mark, talking about the offensive line. And it was kind of brought up today, or Monday, in the press conference about uh, there was a hinted at a, a move that was happening along the offensive line and possibly a, a position battle opening back up. Um, but man, the offensive line has been bad. Yes. And I don't want to like single out a, a, a specific person, but man, Caleb Rogers has just been abused. And any relation? No, <laughs> no, no relation. Okay. Um, I thought, well, you know, maybe you know him personally, so you'll see him at the family reunion. I mean, I gotta, I, I gotta stand up for my man Rogers, but no, there, there were times, and obviously, as a left tackle, you're going to get their best pass rushers, and I, I get that. Um. But whether it was Houston or either of the defensive ends from Kansas State, man, there was one play on Saturday in, in, in particular where, like, just a straight bull rush by a guy that he outweighed by 100 pounds got pushed into Donovan, and then, then that same defensive end was able to sack Donovan as he climbed over Rodgers, who was on the ground. I was like, man, that's it, it can't get much worse than that. There were times when... Uh, the left guard was, was having to help chip. Um, Kitley mentioned that when he was asked about Caleb Rogers, like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to have to do a much better job of not leaving him out on an Island. We're gonna have to, you know, slide some protection that way. Uh, you know, get some, some double teams from the left guard, get the, the running back to, to slow down the rush. But man, that's, that's a, that's just a gaping hole over there. And it's at the like the the biggest position position too, um, and I don't know if this is a like a strength of Donovan Smith. Like he's he's so calm and collected. Like Ryan Leaf was talking about the broadcast. He's like he's like too calm and collected. Like there's no there's no uh, alarm that goes off. Like it's now time to escape or it's it's time to throw it away. Like he hangs out too long. And with well, this offensive line, it's just it's it's been a detriment how unflappable he is in the pocket at times. You're like, no, nah, man, you actually do need to move. <laughs> yeah, he, he does take for granted that his, you know, his blind side is going to be fully blocked the entire time because it seems like every time he does get sacked from that side, he has no idea it's coming. And so I, I think there's something to what you're saying there. He's. I don't know if he's just not thinking about it or he's not allowing himself to think about it, but we've reached the point in the season where he needs to, when he gets six, you know, sacked six times on the road, then that needs to be kind of in the back of your mind. Every single time you get the ball, just to, just to know that you might have to be a little evasive and that pocket's going to collapse pretty quickly. Yeah. And, and there were even a couple of runs that were run behind some lead blockers to the right that got blown up from pressure on the backside. A defensive end from the backside of the play was able to to take down a runner who should have had plenty of blockers ahead of him, 
because it was a power run to the right, but he was tackling the backfield from pressure on the backside. Um, so I don't want to go like too heavily into that. Just offensive line, it's 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 going to be one of those things. Like we're gonna the offense will will go as the offensive line goes. Um, and, and if a change is made, you know, hopefully whether it's Ty Buchanan or somebody else that that's, you know, it's going to be an improvement um, or, you know, Caleb Rogers is certainly capable and allowed to, to improve throughout the season. Uh, just hope that the offensive line is, is, is there in allowing Donovan Smith to, to hang in the pocket, be able to, to find some, some guys deeper downfield um, and, and to continue to open up or to, open up better running lanes for the, the, the running backs. Cause that, 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 that was a big problem on Saturday. Um, having said all that and, and having, having played Kansas state for so many years and how they, they've typically pay, played offense, you actually led time of possession this game by more than, or by almost five minutes, which is huge. You, you limited their, their touches. Um, and, and that's, that's two weeks in a row. Cause they did that against Texas too. Yeah, so it's not like you're getting in there with Kitley and he's just like, you know, well, it's three and out or all up tempo. He's doing it. Like, it, like it's almost surprising to me when, when I go back and look at the, the box score or when they score and they give like a dry summer. Like, hey, that was 10 plays, seven and a half minutes. Like, holy crap, that was a long drive. I didn't even like register it was happening. Um, But it, it's nice that you're not seeing like, you know, whether it's three plays or, or five plays and you kick the ball back in like 42 seconds. Um, yeah. I'm going to skip. Well, no, I'll, I'll skip down a little bit. We're gonna talk about Donovan Smith. Um, and, and maybe it was, it was just more of this game or just because he's, he was having to move so much because of pressure. Um, he was not very accurate on the run this week. Uh, he was, whenever he had to move, Man, you just you just go ahead and chalk that up as an incomplete or, or an interception, really. Um, his accuracy was just way down. Um, this has happened a couple times this season so far, uh, where it'll be like like and it only seems to happen on design quarterback runs. Honestly, I don't understand it, but he'll get the the snap and then he'll get going, and then he slips. Like I don't know if it's like yeah. a, like a mental thing, like. He, he's geared himself up for like a power run or he's just trying to get going faster. But like, man, there've been so many third and shorts or fourth and shorts where it's been a quarterback draw or a quarterback power. And like, as he approaches the line of scrimmage, he loses his footing and falls. It's like, I don't understand. Like it, it's, it's gotta be mental, right? Cause it only seems to happen on runs like that. Not, not when he's really evading like the rush or, or, you know, breaking out of the pocket or whatever. It's just like on, on short runs, there's something in his technique. <laughs> he just chops his feet too fast gets going over it. Like just leans too far out over his skis. I don't know, man. He just loses it. Um, I've seen this come up a few I, times. Sorry. At home, but it's not, no, sorry. I even thought it was at, uh, just at, at, at tech, you know, I thought, okay, well there's something, there's something wrong with the middle of the field. I was really getting super into it. There's something wrong with the Jones. And then it happened in Manhattan. They're like, okay, all right. I, I just think now, now I'm onto the shoes. I think it's the shoes. Honestly, it's gotta be under armor shoes. He just needs some better, some better, uh, footwear. That's it. But yeah, it is kind of strange that he can't quite plant when he needs to. He, he yeah. just kind of slips. But so, this has come up the past few weeks and I, I want to get your thoughts on it because I've, I've been a, a, you know, a Donovan Smith fan supporter defender. Um, but they've, I, I, I don't even know the metrics that, that goes into this, but he is 10th of 10 big 12 quarterbacks and QBR. And it's, it's strange to me because like you, you see him, he's thrown for 380, 80 yards a game. Um, and, and maybe it's because there haven't been a lot of passing touchdowns. Like when we get closer in, it's more of, of a rushing offense and he's run some court, some, some touchdowns in, but man, 
he is 10th and it's by a long shot. Ninth is Hunter Deckers at 57.2. Donovan Smith, 51.9. First is Jalen Daniels of Kansas, 95.6. Max Duggan, TCU at 90.7. Spencer Sanders, quarterback we're obviously going to see this weekend, 81.5. Uh, then a couple of guys we've seen, obviously, in Hudson Card, 76.9. Dylan Gabriel, 76.6. Adrian Martinez, 72. Um, do you have any thoughts on on what, what could be attributing to his his, his QBR or uh, what all this means? Yes, I, I do want to walk back a little bit on his, um, you know, he had three turnovers against Kansas State. But I would go back and say one of them was not his fault. Well, two of them weren't. You know, he was hit by uh, by someone who got let through by the offensive line, which you kind of alluded to earlier. And then he was also hit by someone who got through on the offensive line and forced him to fumble. So I'm not really going to blame those two on him. The the pass that I'm just going to assume that the pass that he was going to throw before he got hit was going to get far enough down the field where it wasn't going to get picked off that last pick, which I think you've got, uh, you had some thoughts on, on that too. That was kind of one, a couple of things. It was a prayer after a fantastic onside kick recovery, just trying to do, get anything done and two, it was uh, a dead play that shouldn't count. So those three that were on his shoulders, I'm going to take away a little bit, but I think that's basically what it boils down to is the amount of, Turnovers he's responsible for one way or another, whether intentional or not, they're going to be attributed to him. And then the sacks, man, I, I think that's, that's where you're coming into it too. And then also just the volume of plays. Like he has by far been in the most plays out of anybody on this entire list. He has participated in 301 plays. Next closest is 248. And he didn't start for a quarter. You know, so he's with with this sheer number of plays and the output that has come from it. I think that dings him a little bit too, just in how much he has been out there and how much this offense has stuttered. Yeah, I, I was going back by the the week by week performances. He didn't get a, a score, or it's not wasn't listed as a score for the week one. There's only nine quarterbacks listed, uh, so I'm assuming it's just for for starters or whatever. Or he didn't play enough. I don't. I'm not sure. Um, week two versus Houston, he was tenth that week at 29.5 QBR. Um, week three versus NC State, he was tenth with a 23.8 QBR versus, like I said, NC State on the road. Uh, interesting that that's pretty much the same score he got the previous week against Houston in a game where we thought he played much better. The offense was atrocious on the road there in Raleigh, but. Uh, QB scores are about the same. Week four versus Texas jumped a little bit. Seventh, 77.4 QBR. So quite a bit different than week three. And week five, he was fifth, but for 52.4 QBR. (laughs) uh, Like there was a top four. And Max Duggan, Adrian Martinez, Hudson Card, Spencer Sanders. They were all between 86 and 96. And then fifth was Donovan Smith at 52 so a huge gap between four and five uh donovan smith jt daniels hunter deckers blake shape and jalen daniels and davis belleville from ou recorded a qbr four yeah it's it sounds like just going off of that a pick six is going to ding you like crazy because if he was getting 20s in the qbr against houston and nc state he threw pick sixes those games. I think that's must have a lot of weight to it. And he didn't turn the ball over versus Texas at all. Yeah. The, the sack um, expected points added on sacks with low leverage plays downweighted, whatever all that means. He's got the lowest rating and he's got the negative 12.5 on sacks where uh, closest next up is hundred deckers at minus seven. So yeah, it's it's probably pick sixes and and not feeling the pressure so much. I don't want to yeah. dog on him because I've you know you also have heard how fired up I can get when people start talking about Baron Morton 
And I'm just like, he's not ready. Um, I mean, obviously if he was, he'd be playing right. Um, but Xavier white, I'll talk about a highlight high point of the offense this past weekend, man, he stepped in when miles price went down and it was like, it's like, man, it was a breath of fresh air. He was playing like, like he did the past couple of years, nine catches for 120 yards. Um, and he was like the go-to guy there in the second half. It was fantastic. I love to see that. I want to, I want to see him play more. Um, and I don't know. I, I would assume he and price play the same position, but I would love to see like, if we're going to put two inside receivers on the field at the same time, put price and white together and not, uh, you know, white and, and Martinez or price and Martinez. I, and I don't want to, I don't want to like downplay Nehemiah Martinez, but I think Xavier white and miles price paired together and give you more than any pairing with Nehemiah Martinez defense. Yeah. I know what to do. Yeah, defense. I I don't know how how to how to feel about this or how to how to defend one one angle or the other. I'm trying to balance the thoughts of like the defense playing well, but gave up almost 400 rushing yards. On the positive side, I will tell you, almost 200 of the 373 yards on the ground came on three plays. So otherwise you gave up 170 rushing yards on 36 carries, which is, you know, four and a half yards a carry for 4.7 yards per carry. It's not great, but against a team like Kansas state that can't beat you through the year, had you contained them to 4.7 yards per carry, you're going to win that game. But you had three breakdowns. You had two on the first play of the game, something like, what was it? 55 yards from Adrian Martinez. And then Deuce Vaughn and Adrian Martinez both had a 69 yard run. Um, and that was, like I said, that's, what's that? 138 plus 55. Yeah. It's like 193 yards on three carries. Um, positive on the defense. It felt like, you know, you never gave up. Like you, you, you had some, had some big plays late and maybe that was a fatigue thing. Or maybe cause like the game was out out of hand. I don't, I, I, I don't really tend I, I don't believe it was a, that they faded or, or that they, they gave up. Um, no, but they were, they were in possession in position for many, many of those, those plays, obviously when they were containing the run or at least slowing it down to the middle parts of the game. Cause like I said, that big, that big run, that first run run came on the first play of the game. And then those other nearly 70 yard runs came in the fourth quarter. So the middle half of those game of the game, you were doing a fairly good job at slowing it, slowing everything down. Uh, you would actually contain Kansas State. They didn't pick up a first down in something like twenty minutes of the game. All of the second quarter, and about halfway through the third quarter, they didn't pick up a first down. Um, you were you were there in position, but like your tackling technique, and this is like giving me nightmares of twenty sixteen. I don't know what it is, man. They're they're running up to the the ball carrier and trying to bump them down, and may, maybe it's it's worked in the, in the past few weeks, but it was really the it was just so highlighted against how good Kansas State was at tackling. Like they were getting guys to the ground one on one by picking them up and driving them backwards and form tackle right. Whereas Tech Tech, tech we were we were diving at their feet, we were swinging at them. We were holding them up until until the play was blown dead uh, on forward progress. Like we weren't getting guys to the ground. It was it was like alarming how many plays were stopped because we stopped the forward progress. Not that we got the the ball carrier down. Like it just blows my mind. Like I don't know what's happening with, with, with the tackling, but like it was it was terrible this weekend. Um, special teams. You did have a your first decent kick return of the season uh, was something like thirty yards, and then you had a ten yard return to follow up. It's like, well, there's a lot of averages. You had a kick out of bounds. Um, love to see Trey Wolf nail a fifty one yard field goal to end the first half. Um, that that was fantastic. I hated to see that like in the fourth quarter when the position to take the lead, he missed a kick from the middle of the field. I was, I mean, it wasn't 51 yards. It was in the forties. 
Um, he was two for three on the day, man, that after that, uh, that's when Adrian Martinez came out and he ran his long touchdown run in was falling the missed kick. Um, but before that, just the mental toughness of this team, we've talked about almost every week, whatever reason you've got some, you've had some really slow starts, uh, Kansas state, uh, scored on two plays in the first drive to start the game. You you got the ball back after 40 seconds down a touchdown to one of the slowest offenses in the country. Um, you were down 13-0 at one point, but you fought back. You held them. Um, you were down three at the half, tied it in the second half. You had a chance to take a lead in the fourth quarter. Um, you, just, I, you just need to find a, a way to start better, uh, especially on the road. And, and there was something that... Um, I can't remember who said it now. It's probably the gambling gauchos, but I don't know if it's a scheme thing where, where opposing offenses are able to see like the, like they've seen enough Texas tech starts to say, this is how they come out. And this is, this is a way to attack it, but we got to figure out how to, how to play better on the road early on games because um, in both the NC state and Kansas state games, um, there were times in that game, like, yeah, you end up losing the game and it was about how it, it you it was kind of expected to go. So like, it was frustrating to lose those games. Um, but man, you were, you were in a position to make things interesting in both those games, especially in Kansas state. Like, so you lose a game by, by nine points and it was eight and a half point spread. So it's like, it, it happened exactly how it was supposed to happen. But you were, you know, a missed field goal away from taking a lead with like 10 minutes to go in the game. And then, went down, gave up 13 or however many points it was after that. Um, to wrap this game up, I want to go over just some of the big plays from the game. That one-handed catch from Trey Cleveland where he fought off the defensive pass interference and then dragged the defender for like 20 more yards. I love it. I want more Trey, Trey Cleveland in my life. That was fantastic, and I am I'm still shocked that he wasn't called for offensive pass interference. Cause it just seems like the type of call tech would have been yeah. dealt at them. <laughs> I'm glad, you know, I, f- I feel like if they're going to swallow their whistle, you might as well swallow it on one where <laughs> our receiver caught a pass for 58 yards. Just go ahead and let that one go. I'm fine with it. But, but yeah, I mean, as much tussling as there was, and it did kind of look like they could have called him pushing off or it, I, I just was, I thought even if they throw the flag, it's going to be on a, on tech. Or both. Luckily they just, just offsetting. Yeah. Offsetting. Um, I love that you were able to, to, to fight back on the defensive side. So Smith had just thrown one, one of his interceptions. Uh, just a couple plays later, you forced a fumble. The second turnover of Kansas State's season, Deuce Vaughn, you hit him up the middle. The ball just popped right into Tyree Wilson's arms, and he just dropped down for the recovery, which was awesome. Um big play in the negative. You missed that 40, the field goal in the fourth quarter. And then just a couple of plays later, Martinez or maybe the very next play broke off his 69 yard touchdown run. That was his first positive yardage gained on the ground since the first quarter. So like I said, you had held him to negative or net zero rushing yards for more than half of the game for two and a half quarters, essentially. But then it broke and it broke in a bad way. Um, going forward on fourth down with about 12 minutes to go. I hated that call. hated it. And it's probably because of hindsight, right? Um, turnover downs and give the ball back, um, with, you know, on the 40, uh, it wouldn't be a, a Spencer take if I didn't point out that that same defender that had defensive pass interference on Sparkman, sorry, on Cleveland up the sideline, uh, pinned Sparkman's arm to his side and got their a second early should have been pass interference. Um, obviously wasn't called, uh, the, had he caught the ball, it would have been enough for a first down. Anyways. Um, there was a fumble in the fourth quarter to set up a a super short field for Kansas state. Uh, and then they did what Kansas state does. They just bleed clock, man. Um, Mm. you, you, you know, late in the game, you were, you were making it really interesting. You scored that touchdown, uh, you went for the onside kick and you recovered it, which was freaking awesome. Uh, then you had that, the I think it was the first play. That possession was a 25-yard catch to uh, Xavier White up the hash. 
Uh, one, it was weird. It was mentioned on the broadcast a couple of times. That ball was spotted like three yards short of where it should have been spotted. So I was like, what are we doing? And then the next play, Michael, <laughs> and the next play um, was the interception, the final interception that Donovan Smith threw that sealed the game. Um, the ball snaps at like 207 on the clock. Whistle blows just past 205. So it was like the, the play had gone on for two or three seconds. There's a whistle. And it wasn't like a like a singular tweet or chirp, like a, like a just one, right? It was like a multiple blast. Like it was intentional. Well, I, I, I no. I, I hesitate to say intentional. What I mean by that is it wasn't just like, like he just exhaled wrong. He's like, Oh crap. <laughs> like I didn't mean to like breathe out into my, into the whistle. Like it, he, the referee, whoever blew the whistle saw something or heard something that made him think we need to stop the play. Right. Because it, like I said, it wasn't just a one chirp or blast of the whistle. It was a multiple hit. Everyone. I mean, everyone in the stadium thought the play was blown dead. Kansas state fans, as soon as it happened, were groaning, right? They're like, Oh, we just intercepted the ball, but they blew it dead. Ryan leaf and, uh, whoever hit the, the play by play guys, like, Oh, they, they must've blown it dead to review the last play. And they come out and say, Nope. Ruling on the field was interception. First down Kansas state. And we're all like, what? Joey McGuire lost his mind. And I, I would have lost my mind too. They, uh, I, I don't know if there's a, so some kind of guidance on whether or not that's reviewable or not. That's what I talked about briefly in the, in the post game. But man, I looked it up. NCAA football rule four, section two, article three describes inadvertent whistles. Rule book did. I looked it up and they, they give four specific scenarios. It could be because it's happened several times in other games. And they're like, I wonder the scenarios where this happens. Scenario a is what, what, what applies to Texas tech here. And it says during a legal forward pass, which is what this was, or during a legal kick, if there's an inadvertent whistle, the down must be replayed. If all penalties are declined, there wasn't a penalty on the play. No options. The down no options. must be replayed. Mm-hmm. And yet they're like, no, 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 no. Uh, the, the, the whistle didn't happen. It's like, dude, there's evidence video. There's audio <laughs> gets recorded, man. Everybody, 70,000 people in the building thought the play was blown dead as it was happening the broadcast crew, everybody watching it thought the play was blown dead. Ultimately did, did it make an outcome in the game. Probably not. Texas tech was down two scores. Um, it did make an outcome, like a, a difference in the betting line, which I thought was an interesting take from the gambling couch. It was like, was somebody shaving some points? <laughs> I, I doubt it. I, I don't think it was that nefarious, but still like the game they had, you know, Texas tech had gone for two, for whatever reason, and got it to a nine-point game. The line was eight and a half. Given the opportunity, for whatever reason, play was stopped, man. The whistle was blown, but the result of the play was allowed to stand. I don't understand it. And I I, I think this is one of those opportunities, scenarios where Big 12 officials have to have some kind of transparency and, and accountability, man. That, that, that kind of thing can't be allowed to happen. Like, obviously... Obviously, a whistle was blown in the middle of the play. Did it affect the play? Doesn't matter. No, probably not. Did it affect the game? No, probably not. But that's like saying, oh, well, uh, I mean, they they kind of blew up the quarterback, but th- they were down by 21 points, and it, it, it didn't really affect the outcome of the game, so we're not going to worry about it. No, man, like you enforce the rules as it happens. Anyways, I was frustrated about that. Spent some time looking it up. Rule book, rule four, section two, article three, scenario A. But else is interested in looking that up. I love that you looked it up because I, it just, I, I still don't ever, I think uh, McGuire's never really addressed it yet. I, I know that they, I think they asked him and he just said something like, yeah, I don't want to be fined by the Big 12 and just kind of moved on. Yeah. And, and but, 
I was like, Hey man, we're, we're, we're kind of known for, for covering those kinds of fines, man. Just, just, just go earn it. But he didn't, he declined to, to comment on it. All right. Quick update on the injuries. Miles price. Um, this is according to Joey McGuire, uh, rolled his ankle there in the Kansas state game. Questionable. He's going to, he said he's going to see how he practices and how he feels. Um, I was grateful that it wasn't a break, but I think the way we saw Xavier White come out, there's less pressure on on Price to come out and play this weekend, uh, especially considering the bye week this upcoming week. So he could have two weeks off to, you know, rest and prepare for the second half of the season. Um, Shuck has been throwing more. Will be evaluated in the uh, in the the bye week. I will I will report he did not travel with the team this weekend because I saw him at the fairgrounds on Friday for lunch. Let me just tell you, man, that man eats his uh, corn dog like the rest of us. Good old mustard. He's 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 just one of us. He's a man of the people. Uh, I'm not sure if he was recognized or if people just like me kind of like I'm 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 not going to go bother this man in public. But there were not people coming to talk to him kids asking for autograph or anything like he was like under the radar like i know i know you and he was with a, a lineman too but um interesting to see like if he gets cleared like i would assume he's he's back in as a starter um you know if you want to go back and look at the donovan smith um you know m- maybe smith's ceiling is higher but his floor is lower like you get more of a, a consistent performance out of shuck i don't know um but I mean, as, as much as I, as I bang that drum about Baron Morton being third string by two different coaching staffs, Shuck was first string by two different co- coaching staffs. So like there's something there. Um, and I, I'm going to tend to, to, you know, defer to the expertise of the coaching staff as they see and evaluate him on a much more con- constant basis than any of us. Um, so I would assume if he's, if he's healthy and cleared, uh, that he'd come back. Um, so thoughts on having Shuck back. Do you want to see it or no? Or do do you care that much? I am totally open to it. Um, I'm not, I'm not one to, you know, put Smith down because like one thing we've talked about a lot is his mental toughness. That's undeniable. It's there. Um, the fact that he can just rebound after some bad plays, some his fault, some not, uh, that can't be questioned. Go no. on the road, get in Raleigh. I mean, all that kind of stuff. But, but just some of the decision making is is worrisome. Um, his mobility is questionable. You know, you mentioned his his inability to get solid footing here or there, and it's not just that he's uh, he's not quite as elusive as you know, I guess a lot of people thought he would be, uh, he's, he's big and he can truck people and he can, um, block. So I, I would say that my hesitation with Shuck is just his prone to injury. Uh, you, you know, do you want to put Shuck behind this line? <laughs> do you want to make him move on his feet, which he can, he's capable to, I mean, I would, I would say he's more mobile than Smith really. Yeah. I, uh, I think but that we, we've seen that, that he's about his, I worry about his shoulder. <laughs> yeah. Just, just his being. <laughs> I just hope he's okay. Yeah. Um, cause it was, it was a point that, uh, I think it was Kyle brought up in one of their episodes recently. You know, he's like, we haven't seen Donovan Smith make a move and like make somebody miss his move is to run somebody over, which is fine. It's a move, but almost surprisingly Shuck was the guy that was elusive when running. Like he was making people miss. Unfortunately, like whether it was in the Houston game when he, he tried to truck somebody or, uh, this, you know, week one versus Murray state when he was running and eluding somebody was taken down hard on the shoulder. Um, you got to protect your shoulder a little bit. Cause I think that's, that's the one area that like kind of instinctively, instinctively he kind of rolls towards, but, yeah, we'll see. Adrian Fry is supposed to be back this week. Uh, I don't know if, if we'd see him kind of put back in as a punt returner, whether it's going to be Xavier White. I think he's been doing great back there. Um, 
or just back on on defense in the, the, the as a corner. And then Cameron Valdez, we did hear he's going to be expected back here in a few weeks. Uh, he did kind of recover from his back injury, but then he strained his hamstring. So he's not, not going to be back till the week of the West Virginia game. All right. So that was a long, uh, mostly monologue on my end. We're going to do this uh, Oklahoma State preview. Uh, no, no special guest. I don't, I'm not a big fan of the Cowboys like I am, the, the Wildcats. I don't want to give them any space. We've done it before. And I just left feeling dirty. So this weekend's game, 2.30, FS1. Don't like that. Texas Tech currently was a uh, nine-point dog on the road. Over under set, just under 70, 69 and a half. Oklahoma State is ranked number seven in the country right now. They are 4-0 and after victories. 58-44 victory over Central Michigan. 34-17 versus Arizona State. 63-7 versus Arkansas Pine Bluff. And their one conference game, the weirdest score I've seen in a while, 36-25. Excuse me, 36-25 versus Baylor. Yeah. I want to go back to, uh, and this is completely unrelated, but I think in the NFL. Okay. (laughs) Not not this last week, but the week before were some of the weirdest scores I'd ever seen. There was a Scorgami game uh, either this past week or the week before. I I bet it was the week before. I mean, I know no one cares, but okay. So it was week three, which uh, let's see. Here you had games. That was September 22nd. Yeah. Uh, 37 to 26. 24 to 8, um, 14 to 12, 10 to 11, 23 to 16. I mean, just bonkers. 27 to 12, 29, 17. What are these? What do these even mean? 21, 19. I I don't know. Anyway, uh, so yeah, that was. It was this week. it was, no a, it was a Seahawks-Lions game. The 48-45 game was Scorigami. First time that's really? happened. Mm-hmm. Okay. That seems like a, a an average Big 12 score from yeah. the, the early thoughts. Yeah. Uh, so this will be Texas Tech's fifth ranked opponent, at least at the time of the game, in a row. Going back to Houston, Texas, Oh, sorry, Houston, NC State, Texas, Kansas State, now Oklahoma State. Five in a row. All-time series record is quite a bit rosier than, than what we're talking about with uh, Kansas State last week. It is 23-23-3. But Oklahoma State's done some work to close that gap and get it tied. Texas Tech has only won three games in the series dating back to 2008. Before that, it was pretty uh, lopsided in Texas Tech's favor. Since then, obviously, gone the other way. Oklahoma State's offense, Cowboy offense, is led by redshirt senior Spencer Sanders. It feels like he's been here forever. Couldn't even tell you who played before him. Uh, I think of Clint Shelf, but there's no way like it was Shelf to to Sanders because Shelf played like 2015. It felt like. Um, it was, who? It was it was Brandon Whedon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was back there, too. Sanders yeah, is a yeah. smaller guy, 6'1", 210. Uh, so far this year, 82 of 124, good for 66% completion percentage, just under 1,100 passing yards, 11 touchdowns through the year, two interceptions, 8.8 yards per attempt. On the ground, he's carried 41 times for 185 yards and another four touchdowns. This offense is the number two passing offense in the Big 12 in terms of yards per game behind only Texas Tech. And that is a ooh, about a 50-yard difference. Texas Tech is averaging 362 passing yards. Oklahoma State is averaging 314. On the ground, the Cowboys are led by junior running back Dominic Robinson, six foot two ten. When I was going through some of these offensive leaders, I was a little surprised at how many are about the same size. We talk about Texas Tech and there's there's quite a bit of size difference between running backs, inside receivers, and outside receivers. 
quarterback, you know, like I said, Spencer Sanders was six one. This running back, six foot two ten. Uh two of their outside receivers are six foot two oh five, six one two oh five. Like they're all the same guy. But they do it in different ways, obviously. Richardson rushing so far this year, 67 carries, 293 yards on the ground, 4.4 yards per carry and three touchdowns. It's also been a pretty good receiver, 12 catches for 109 yards, 9.1 yards per catch there, no touchdown um, through the air. They are the seventh best rushing offense in the Big 12 in terms of yards per game at 164. Um. The passing, though, is where it's a little scary. I was talking to Michael about this before we hit record. Man, they're led by senior wide receiver Braden Johnson, six foot two oh five, seventeen catches, three hundred and sixty yards, twenty-one point two yards per catch. It's big time. Three touchdowns. Yeah. And and that's not as you know, seventeen receptions, that's not really skewed that much. If if it was no. nine receptions or five or something, okay, yeah, whatever. He's averaging twenty yard, twenty yards, sure. No, it's seventeen. You've got to really respect that. <laughs> yeah, inside receiver Brennan Presley, five eight, one seventy five, twenty catches on the year, two hundred and fifty two yards, almost well, just a little bit more than twelve and a half yards per catch, one touchdown. And then the outside receiver opposite Braden Johnson, Bryson Green, six one two oh five, eleven catches. 169 yards, 15 and a half yards per catch, and an additional three touchdowns. Michael, do you want to talk about the offensive line for Texas Tech versus the defensive line for Oklahoma State? Yeah, I have some bad news. Um, we don't mean to keep picking on the offensive line, but I kind of had a hunch this week as I was getting ready to, to look at this game with you. And, you know, Oklahoma State's defense, of course, their coordinator's gone, but they've still got that culture there and they've been known for getting pressure to the quarterback. And I thought, Oh boy, that's not going to work out well for tech. And I thought, well, let me see how, how tech's doing nationally in these categories. And I looked at sacks and I looked at uh, tackles for loss. This is an awful matchup guys. So Texas tech is tied for 125th in the nation in sacks allowed. They've allowed 19 sacks, 118 yards, that works out to right at four sacks per game. Oklahoma state is tied for 18th in sacks. They've sacked quarterbacks 12 times in four games. And so they're averaging three per game Uh, in tackles for loss. It's even worse. Texas tech is 124th in tackles for loss allowed. Uh, They've allowed 41 total. Tackles for a loss for 167 yards. So that's 33 yards per game and 8.2 yards per TFL. And Oklahoma State averages 28.5 yards per game in tackles for loss. They are third in the country with 9.2 tackles for loss per game. They will wreak havoc on this line and on this offense. And it really makes me nervous, you know, between this and between how well Spencer Sanders is taking care of the ball so far with only two interceptions, how he's apparently able to get it to Braden Johnson for 360 yards on 17 receptions. I mean, the, this offense is good. Uh, You know, their front defensive line is really good. And that is going to be a really tough matchup for Texas tech uh, with those tackles for a loss. I, it seemed like, you know, you, you watch it as a fan. You think, yeah, we're, it seems like that happens a lot, but surely we're not as bad as we think we are. Yeah, we are 125th in the country in sacks allowed and 124th in the country in tackles for a loss. Yikes. Yeah. It's not good, man. When Tech Tech has the ball, we are throwing the ball 362 yards per game, seven and a half yards per attempt. Oklahoma State is allowing 285 yards through the air at seven and a half yards per attempt. So I'm not sure if that's really going to change. You may still, like, if you're able to keep Smith upright, I mean, I would expect 300 or so yards through the game, through the air, as we've seen. Uh, both teams, um, Texas Tech rushes for 113 yards. Oklahoma State allows 112. 
on about three and a third yards per carry. Third down, though, is where it's going to be a big deal. Uh, Texas Tech is converting 34%. Oklahoma State is only allowing 24%. This goes back to something they were really good at last year. They do not allow teams to convert on third down. Probably because they are so disruptive, they're they're creating a lot of third and longs. And then when you are dropping back, they're able to get a lot of pressure, tackles for loss, and sacks because of their great defensive front. When Oklahoma State has the ball, they're thrown for 314 yards per game at 8.6 yards per attempt. Texas Tech is allowing 205 yards per game at 7.5 yards per attempt. Um, the rushing defense for Texas Tech went up from 99 yards to 148 after one game, <laughs> uh, you know, game five of the season, you added 50 yards on your season average. Oklahoma State is rushing for 164 yards per game, um, about the same in terms of yards per carry, 4.2 given up by Texas Tech, up from 2.9. Again, it's a big jump from just one game. Oklahoma State is averaging 4.3 yards per carry. Um, Texas Tech defense is allowing just over 30% conversion percentage on third downs. Oklahoma State is converting almost 40% of their third downs, so they're staying on the field at a much better rate than even Texas Tech is. They are scoring 48 points per game, while Texas Tech is allowing 28. You want to get to our our predictions, Michael? Just skip it and say you all know where where, where we're at on this. I think think you can sense where we are. You want to go first? I don't have a score uh, just yet, but I mean, let me just say it's like, give me Oklahoma State to win and to cover. Yeah, that that's where I'm at. I do have a score because the over-under is 69 and a half. And I think Tech has hit the over on every game but one. And so I'm going to have them hitting the over exactly at 70 and losing 42 to 28. So a couple of, you know... Losing by a couple touchdowns on the road to a top 10 team that has had your number for the last, since Gundy got there, just about. Uh, That's not the end of the world, but that's kind of what I'm expecting based off what I expect this offensive line to to do versus this defensive front. Uh, I think that's really formidable. Like we've talked about the Oklahoma State offense. I kind of, I haven't really kept up with them that much this year somehow they've kind of been off my radar uh but you know they've averaging 48 points a game yeah you know they only scored 34 and 36 versus power five teams so i'm I'm kind of not thinking they're going to score 48 on tech but I, i do think something will happen like last week instead of you know a 69 yard run it might be a 70 yard touchdown catch or something. I mean, I think there's going to be some big plays that are just going to kill you. And then tech's going to get, they're going to go backwards a couple of plays and then it's third and 12 and they can't convert. So I'm not a ray of sunshine here, but um, I'm, I'm just trying to be realistic. I did come into the season thinking that tech would drop this game. So did Spencer. So we're, we're kind of sticking with what we thought before uh, but I'm, I really don't like this matchup. I think this is a bad matchup for tech and it's going to be a frustrating one to watch. Yeah, it's, um, it's a bad matchup. It's on the road in Stillwater. I thought of a score while you were talking and I, I came up with like 41, 17. Uh, I, I hate it. Uh, I, I am, I guess, assuming that with, their defensive coordinator from last year, you're, you're going to be able to score some points this year. I, I mean, they are giving up um, 23 points a game. And last year it was like in the single digits. It was ridiculous. And obviously they, they, they shut you out in, in Lubbock uh, and Donovan Smith and McNamara set like a record night outside of that game against Centenary in the twenties or whatever it was in the rain. But um yeah, man, I, I just it's gonna be bad. Like and I'm pretty sure forty one seventeen is the is the score that Tex Tech won by last time in Stillwater when they did win. I, I just I have I, I I keep going back to like 
I want to see the offense actually show up on the road and, and like they haven't done it yet. You've, you've come out to bad, you've had bad starts on the road. Um, you know, I think protects tech to be able to win this game. You're going to have to get pressure on Spencer Sanders. He's going to have to revert back to turning the ball over under pressure. Uh, you'd have to probably win this game on a lower scoring game. Um, because I don't think Oklahoma state's defense is going to really allow you to move the ball, uh, reliably, uh, especially with the, the, the weaknesses that we've, we've been talking about along the offensive line. So you probably have to break some big plays, uh, makes Sanders, um, turn the ball over under pressure. Um, you'll probably have to deal with some, some, you know, big lumps or whatever in, in, in the, the passing game. But if you can limit that, I think Tech Tech could have a shot at this, but I'm I'm not going to hold my breath on this one. Um, would love to be wrong. Would love to, to add another loss to my prediction column. I'm three and two, just like Texas Tech is. Michael is five and zero. Oh. I'd love for us to be three and three and five and one, um, but I just like I said, have to see it first. So uh, we're both taking Oklahoma State to win and to cover, and. Uh, I guess I'm taking the under Michael's taking the over just barely, barely, barely. All right. Um, what, what we'll wrap this up with, uh, what we learned, Michael. Okay. What do we learn Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. All right. My oldest Grayson has joined the club and is now a glasses wear prescription lens wearing individual at age eight, which I think he was older, yeah. older than either Samantha and I were when we started wearing glasses. So his frames came in today, uh, went to go pick them up. Looks sharp. They're, um, you know, Ray-Bans and the black plastic frames, but on the inside of the temples and the, the, obviously the, the eyepiece is blue. So, I'm a big fan of that that colorway. Uh, sharp man, looks good for glasses. My my first pair of glasses, the the lenses were more circular, and it was at a time when metal frames were in 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 uh, were all the rage. So mine were gold circular frames, and they were hideous. So I, I look back, I'm like, man, why 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 was I allowed to pick those? But anyways, Grayson, uh, wearing glasses. Looks sharp. Yeah, I was going to offer to pick them up for you if they hadn't come in since I'm here in Florida. Just, yeah, they just uh, swing. <laughs> Interesting enough, well, for whatever reason, the the lab they used to, you know, the doctor's office that we got to send them to Florida. And they said, hey, it's going to be, you know, it's, it's typically about a week. Uh, we're going to add a few extra days because of the storm. We're like, great. Uh, but then we got the notification today that they were in. I was like, well, it's only been a week. So, yeah, it's good times. Yeah, I was fully expecting. I thought, man, this conference is going to get canceled. My flight's going to get canceled. I have no idea what's going to happen. And everything just went, ran fine. I mean, obviously, not everything's fine in Florida, but as far as Orlando is, it was the angle of the hurricane, how it, how it landed, and, you know, how far it took to get this far north. Uh, you know, it, it gave it a chance to really slow down before it got here. So, but yeah, I know the coast is pretty devastated, especially with the flooding. Um, I do not want to minimize that. I, I did want to tell you what I learned though. Okay. And it's related to travel. Uh, okay. So I'm reading the Hobbit for the first time ever, Okay. which I'm really enjoying. And what I learned is that about half of it's about food mm-hmm. where people try to find food. It's right up our alley, man. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's it's literally food and sports clashing at the goal line because the other half is them on a journey to try to get somewhere. So it's just constant. It's great. It's right up our alley. The, the other thing I noticed while I was reading it, I'm halfway through it already, and I'm a slow reader. And the whole time I thought, well, they made some movies about this. And I thought, well, how do they make two movies out of this? This seems like a pretty short book. And then I look it up. No, they've made three movies out of it. It's not a long book. I don't know how they managed it. They must have really the action because I'm going to watch them. Yeah, I'm going to watch them afterwards. And then on the same subject of travel, which uh, and hobbits, 
I do wish my legs were a little shorter sometimes because these flights. It's rough, man. These, Flying is rough. How in the world can I get up? Okay. We're similar height. How in the world is it that maybe I'm just making this up, but I swear the smaller regional jets have more leg room than like a 737. I swear that they cram those seats on those bigger planes closer because United's bright idea to get me here was for me to fly to Lubbock to Denver and then fly from Denver to Florida. So I'm pretty sure I, I looked down and I saw wind turbines and I'm like, yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that's post, but anyway, um, I'm flying back over Lubbock. <laughs> yes. But it was three and a half hours on that plane. And my knees were just jammed in the seat in front of me the entire time. It was brutal. My hip hurt because I was trying to sit at an angle. Uh, I couldn't put my backpack in the overhead bin because they only wanted to put your rolling bags up there. And so I couldn't really get my feet comfortable up underneath to try to get a different angle. Anyway, I don't know if it's age or what, but I think I've finally reached that age, Spencer. If I'm going to be on a flight for three hours or more, I'm going to pay whatever it costs to get the seat with the extra leg room or not, probably not first class, but I know that they have the extra leg room seats. I think I've finally reached that point. How do you do it, man? I mean, cause we don't fly very often, so it's not like it's, it's a, <laughs> yeah, it's, well, I mean, neither. Like, I haven't in three years. Yeah. I, I guess the last flight I took was, uh, about two, three years ago now. It was about this time in 2019. We all went up to, to Seattle for work conference. I guess it, it would have to be a little earlier in the fall because they were still playing regular season baseball. Cause we went to a, a Mariners game. But when I travel with the office, I, um, one, we have a really small woman in our office. She actually likes to sit next to me because she doesn't want like other weird people. And she, she seems to think I, I would defend her (laughs) or like at least, uh, you know, fend off some, some creepy individuals, but having, having a smaller individual sit next to where you can like not like share the seat. Cause like she and I aren't, aren't that close, but like to, to take the armrest up between the, the two seats and be able to, to share that combined space. Like it's like a 60, yes. 40 split. Cause like I said, she's, she's tiny. She's like five to a hundred pounds. Um, if that, and I I'm, would probably offend her if I said that, like, you think I'm a hundred pounds, you suck. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just under six, four. Uh, I've got broad shoulders. Got a full frame, if you know what I mean. <laughs> it, it's it's also it's it's painful too, man. My uh, I don't know what what section of my leg as long as if it's my hip to the knee or knee to the the ankle, but man, it's jammed into the seat trying to get into that the little extra microscopic additional space between the seats. Well, you got, you got both legs wide open, you're trying to jam both of them into one. So. There's that you, you got to find like either, you know, Southwest get the, the exit row or the ones in the very, very front with the additional space. So, yeah, I, I think next time I'm going to pull the trigger and pay for it. Cause this time it, it wasn't even my money, but I still was like, ah, I'm fine. But I hadn't oh, flown fine. that in forever. And I just was like, ah, it's not a big deal. And I got on there and it was just, Oh man, I, I, I wonder, I think it might be my hip to my knee. That might be my longest part. Cause I'm, I'm six, four ish too. I think, I think you might be taller than me. I don't know. We're, we're, we're close, but, uh, I'm, it's not like I'm some gargantuan or something, but I mean, not to say, well, no, they're, they're individuals that are definitely taller than, than we are. Right. Like it's, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I think about, having to get into, into cars and be like, I have to push up the seat all the way back for me to fit. And like, I'm only almost six, four. Like there are people yeah. that are six, five, six, nine, <laughs> seven feet. Don't like how do they work these things? I walked past a guy at a conference at the conference today. Absolute unit. Just unbelievable. <laughs> I, I, I am fairly certain my head was at his shoulder. 
he was, he was at least a head taller than me. So I don't know what that math is. 6'10", 6'11". And he was probably, I mean, he was solid too. So he was, he was in the three hundreds, but like, I mean, you know, if you just saw him, you wouldn't really think much of it, but then you see him standing next to someone. You're like, Oh, that is a unit. He wasn't like, anyway, I just thought, how did he get here? <laughs> he, <laughs> drove. Compl- he drove. He drove. Yeah. I'm like, there's, there's guys floating around six, seven, six, nine, listening to us right now. Like you guys have no idea. And I'm, we're like, but, but it hurts. It hurts our knees. <laughs> like, I wonder if like, if, if, if people that went like just a little bit taller than us, like have to look into customizing the seat rails on their seat to make them longer so they can push the seat further back. They have to get the full size cars. So there's room to push the seat back. I don't know, man. Or they just drive and they're all cramped up. Cause I, one, I, I, I can't do that. Um, it's hard enough. Like the, the steering wheel almost hits my legs as it is. And that's, that's yeah. Well, my knees, my knees, um, I had a Camaro for a few years and I had a system to get in. And the first thing that got in that car was my right knee because I had to dip it under the steering wheel and then, <laughs> then slide my butt in and then get my left foot in. So there, there was a, there was a way to get in every time. And I could not, cause I really wanted one with the sunroof. Um, actually I really didn't care. But then I realized quickly that I couldn't get one with the sunroof because I test drove one with the sunroof and my head kept hitting the damn roof. Yeah. Like you'd hit a bump, my head would hit the roof. <laughs> okay, well, this sucks. And yeah. like I said, that's not like we're NBA height or something. It's, no, like I'm, anyway. like, I'm there almost, are almost 6'4". And I'm like, man, too much more of this. <laughs> you talk about custom vehicles. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's something yeah. like I've, I've, I've always wanted a sports car, but like thought about like, it would just be me in the car. Like maybe, maybe a passenger next to me, but like the, the, obviously there's, there's a back seat in most of these cars. Like that's completely un, unusable space. Um, but yeah, it's like, I don't know how I would fit and how it would work out, but that's really what's kept me from getting a sports car. <laughs> there you go. All right. That'll do it for us this week on the 23 personnel podcast. Getting you ready for the Oklahoma State Cowboys game this Saturday, 2.30 FS1. Don't think it's going to be a good one for Texas Tech. We're both taking Oklahoma State to win and cover. For Michael, I'm Spencer. We'll catch you guys next time. Thank you for listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast. Help us out by subscribing, rating the show, and leaving a review. Follow us on Twitter at 23 Personnel, Spencer at Punt Suck, and Michael at Michael underscore LBK. Be sure to catch the next episode. And until then, guns up and let the tortillas fly.